Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Number two, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. What am I doing, Tommy? I mean, I just, you know, I sit here, I'm talking to Coulter, I think I'm ready to rock, and then... In broadcasting, there's a thing called a clock. And if you would follow the clock, man, this wouldn't be an issue in your seventh year on the air. Now, I'm going to say this, (laughs) there's a lot of good reasons for me to follow the clock, but me following the clock would have not changed that. No, he needs to look at the computer. Uh, We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Thank you very much. Do your children behave better for one of the two parents? Uh, No. Okay. They're all all equally good or bad. It's Mm -hmm. more... Pack mentality with three kids. It's like if if one or you know one or two of them doing good, everybody's happy. But then like it can go sideways. Well, I just think it's hilarious because Tommy produced this show exclusively for uh, two years and a couple months when it was the two of us. Yeah, we never hit the clock one time. We hired a new producer. We did nothing but stay on the clock perfectly for nine full months. Yeah, and Tommy took a seat in the back. And now we do 37-minute segments again. I think we found the problem. (laughs) Tommy Evans does not know how to control the on-air outfit. Uh, If you missed anything in the first hour, listen on the podcast. The first hour is a little longer than an hour, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Roughly an hour. Uh, the uh, podcast is available on all your favorite podcasting outlets. Anytime you would like it, the podcast is here thanks to 
Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. If you want to call, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that line, 361-3688, and we will uh, do another Wing It Wednesday here coming up next. But right now, it is time for ESPN Roundtable. It is presented by our friends at Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, spectacular spot. I uh, ate out on the patio yesterday, and it was just perfect. I'll tell you more about it here in a little while. But... Uh, Coulter, tomorrow, again, the start of Big Sky Conference media days for football, Thursday and Friday. We'll have a state of the uh, conference address from Tom Wistersill, the commissioner of the conference, and all of the uh, all-conference preseason players will be revealed. The preseason polls will be revealed. So go ahead, fill us in here on what we need to know. What do you want to do? Well, we can talk a little bit about the players, but first let's talk a little bit more about the teams. I want to. We're going to play a couple different games okay. here, Love Ryan. Uh, I this first game yes. is going to be called "Weighing the Question Marks." <laughs> so I have two question marks for each of the top eight teams in the league, and then we're going to okay. rank where those question marks fit into the league. So right. Weber State, to me, I think their two biggest question marks are: Can they have increased production at? Quarterback with yes. Jake Constantine leaving the program and transferring to Towson. He would have been a third-year starter. He is a transfer from Boise State, but he's been never really better than average and a lot of times uh, not very good at yeah. Weber State, yet they still have managed to improve offensively a little bit. That's not their MO. That's not what they want to do, but they did average 28 points per game last year, which is about a touchdown better than what they did in their previous two playoff runs. So they did improve a little bit. They have actually great offensive skill players. Uh, and a good offensive line. So what does the returns... I mean, I know they brought in a junior college quarterback. They also have a Caden Jenks, who had suffered that horrific injury against Montana State two years ago. He's waiting in the wings. So quarterback, and also then, can they reload on the defensive line once again? Because they've already had the first reload when they had to replace guys like McKay Murphy. And they did it with guys like Adam Rodriguez and Jonah Williams. But can they do it again? Can George Tarlis, who was one of my preseason all-league defensive ends, even though he wasn't even a starter last year, I voted for him because he had nine sacks off the bench. And he that's what they do. They always show glimpses. It's very similar to what Montana did in the 2000s, where you have this third defensive end who's sort of your, your up-and-comer. Can he be better than the guys he uh, comes after? We yeah. saw it in, at Montana with guys like Mike Murphy, who then came out of kind of nowhere to be you know all American type guys. So those are the two question marks for River State, Montana State. How do they handle the dynamic of taking the next step when the next step is basically going to the title game? When the next step is winning a Big Sky Conference championship? How do they handle uh, that intangible element? Secondly, what's their defensive secondary going to look like? Munchie Filer was one of the best lockdown corners in the league two years ago. He missed all of last season. They were able to mitigate it a little bit because Damian Washington was such a cerebral player. But the Montana State secondary at one point was incredibly flush with talent when you talk about guys like Tyrell Thomas, Jalen Cole, Munchie Filer, Damian Washington, and then the awesome safeties that were Jacque Allen, JoJo Henderson, and Braden Conkle. Well, all three of those safeties I just named are gone. Jalen Cole had to retire because of an injury. Damian Washington... Graduated, So now you got Tyrell Thomas and Jamashi Fowler, who I think will be one of the better corner sets in the league. Where do they get production out at safety? I mean, Braden Conkle is a four-year starter. Jack Way Allen was a guy who started in the ACC at Virginia Tech before he came in. It's tough to replace the that talent level. Montana, I think their two biggest question marks are Cam Humphrey. Is he okay, good, or great? As simple as that at quarterback. Yeah. 
And can they get the necessary progress across the board from all the young players that they need to make progress, namely all the guys on the defensive front seven? Can they cumulatively get guys like Patrick McConnell, Milton Mamula, Jacob McGoring, Eli Alford, Braden Deming, can all those guys take the next step as they yeah. become upperclassmen? Yeah. If they can, you're talking about one of the best fronts in the country. Mm-hmm. If they all just take mediocre steps, then you're talking about an above-average but not ferocious front. The style of defense that they play, they need a, they need to have a ferocious front. Yeah. And with Dante Olson moving on, I think it, it lies on a cumulative effort rather than replacing Dante Olson with one guy. Sac State, it's easy. Do you have a hangover from year one after winning the Big Sky Conference Championship? Can you replace Kevin Thompson after he left? Portland State, do you really believe in yourselves? Can you navigate one of the tougher schedules in the league? And um, I mean, are you ready? Are you ready to actually be a contender? Eastern Washington, it's a prove-it year for Aaron Best. Yes, it is. Eastern missed the playoffs two out of the last three years. The year that they didn't miss the playoffs, they went all the way to the national championship game. What is... Aaron Best's style. What is their team? And is Eric Berry, I mean, Eric Berry looked like, oh my God, this guy's going to win the Peyton down the stretch of his sophomore year. Last year, he led the country in passer efficiency through 28 touchdowns and only four picks. But teams learned how to keep him in the pocket, which really rendered much of what he does so well Mm -hmm. irrelevant, and they, they didn't make the playoffs. UC Davis was the 2000. Uh, 18 Big Sky title, was that a fluke or is that where they're at? How have they recruited behind closed doors? Being in California, they don't get as much recruiting hype because all the California hype goes to all the Pac-12 and Mountain West schools. You have to think that they got guys waiting in the wings, but they also have to prove that they got guys waiting in the wings because yeah. after Jake Mayer and Keelan Das, after that combo was gone, they've been pretty mediocre. Yeah. And then Cal Poly, what influence does Bo Baldwin have on the league straight up and, and what how do they make the transition away from the triple option? So of those question marks, though, which do you think, which teams have the most pressing question marks? Uh, Eastern Washington. Absolutely. Uh, they're the only, your question about, there's only two quarter or two coaches that are in question. One is Cal Poly, but it's not because we wonder whether Bo Baldwin's a good coach. It's whether we, we want to know how long it will take him as a first year head coach at Cal Poly to be the guy. So it's, it's also worth noting that Bo Baldwin, he set the table for himself before yep. he took his first head coaching job at Eastern Washington because he was the offensive coordinator, then took the one year away at Central Washington, and then comes back to Eastern. But he put the system in place, left for a year, and then came back to run the same system. They kept recruiting to his system. Yeah. So he had all the dudes in yeah, place. He's got, they're, they're, I mean, there's just so much to do and to change for him to do what he wants to do at Cal Poly. So that, that that's the question there. But in terms of... What do we think of the head man, and is he a good coach? Look, are there questions about um, you know Dan Hawkins and whether he's a, a good football coach at UC Davis? I think there are, even though he has a great history in the game. He had one really high watermark, but we don't know exactly where he's at. But he has the history as a head coach where you kind of defer to him, and he has been good. You go, you know, Portland State, you know, uh, where where. Do we think that we are, you know, in terms of the way that program navigates? And they have so many hurdles to get through. You can't sit here and go, oh, well, their coaching is subpar because there's there's so very much more. The fact that they even have a team is maybe a huge testament to the leadership that they have. Eastern Washington is the one team where you sit here and go, 
man, I, I don't know if their coach is good or not in terms of what the, the direction that that team has gone. He goes to the national championship first year, and by the way, deserves a lot of credit for that he because does. he put his thumbprint on that team the first year that he was there. He does. Yeah. They also had a ton of talent, and they have gone down, down, down since that time, incrementally. Well, and and the two teams in the league for for pretty much a 15 to 16-year span, when you watched them warm up, you're like, man, these, this team has like half a dozen to 10 guys that are just straight yeah. up better than everybody. Yeah. The two teams were Eastern Washington and Montana. And last year watching Eastern Washington warm up, I, I kept thinking to myself, it's only been a year since they went to the national championship. Granted, they had 28 seniors on that yes, team. Yes, they did. But I was looking out there and I was thinking, man, they got a bunch of good big sky receivers. It used to be they they got three, four dudes where you're like, what what round is that guy getting drafted? Right. In? I mean, we watched when you used to watch Nick Edwards, who's now the offensive coordinator at Cal Poly, former Eastern Washington receiver. When he was the receivers coach at Eastern, you'd go watch those receiver drills. You're sitting there thinking, not only is Cooper Cup the best player I've ever seen at this level, but if Cooper Cup didn't exist, I might say the exact same thing about Kendrick Bourne, and I might say the exact same thing about Shaq Hill. Right. And they don't. They they have now. They just have guys that are like pretty good, but so, but yeah. not 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 what they once were. So that, I think I, I agree with you. I agree with I think I think that those are very adequate. One last big question because I think that the question marks. Like the question marks surrounding both the Cats and the Grizz coming into last season, I think yeah. were much more striking than they are coming into this season. Would you okay. agree with that? Yes. I think that Weber State's question marks are just normal. They're they're not striking whatsoever. That it's just normal for college football. And I think that you know Sac State's. I think that Troy Taylor will figure it out. One other team though, because I think that this we talked about. Did you say Montana State and Montana is more striking? No. What, what do you? What, Which? No, now I'm lost and confused. Did you? I think that Montana and Montana State both don't have that. I think their question marks are normal. Yes. Okay. I think they're I fine. Agree. I think the top. Yes. I think the top three all have pretty no, normal that, questions. That's what I was trying to ascertain. That they're not greater than normal questions. No. No. For no. The no. Cats, the Grizz, or for Weber State. Yes. No. I agree. Okay. We're on the same page. The other, the one last team, though, because we talked about how the, this league is determined more by the middle than it is by the top. Because who in the middle can beat the teams from the top? That's what's going to determine the league race and the playoff seating. The one team that I think we talked about that maybe the, the middle of the league is, you know, the Portland State, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, and Cal Poly Quartet. And then everybody else is pretty much bad. Except for the one team that I have a question. The biggest question mark about is Idaho. Right. Mason Petrino yes. has graduated. His father can no longer, Paul Petrino can no longer play his son at quarterback and have that be this overwhelming, egregious, crazy storyline like it has been for three years. Colton Richardson, the big boy who played in place of Petrino for two weeks last year when Petrino was hurt, has, le- has left the program at least for now. So they're going to have a brand new quarterback. Yep. It's easy to forget, but when when Idaho had a good quarterback in Matt Linehan, they won nine games in the FBS, and they won a bowl game. The the thing that I am interested in is we are now, with the graduation of that of, of Mason Petrino and that group of seniors, right. we have hit the cycle where all of the starters are going to be playing as FCS recruits. Right, they. What we've had for the last couple of seasons is a bunch of guys who got recruited to play FBS football, and then the school dropped down, and so they had. They obviously had to make some decisions when you talk about the loss of scholarships uh, that that you get when you go down the level. But but in terms of the talent and where they were getting guys from, I mean, they're they're not. You're not recruiting 
Arkansas and Louisiana to Idaho, except in virtue of the fact that you're playing in the Sun Belt. So it's a known territory. And you can tell these kids who didn't get picked up by the Ragin' Cajuns, hey, come up here, prove them wrong, and do all that. Now you don't have that. Now your footprint is more geographical. That's true. But also, what what is the level of talent? Because you said before that the level of talent has not been in question and the, the personnel that Idaho has had has, has not been a problem for, you know, since they've been back in the big sky. And you're absolutely right will it become one though if now now that the recruiting is going to kind of cycle through and be the fcs kids that were coming through and where are we at with that and again that's why they are they're the biggest wild card in the league gus the first meal i had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house brought over a bunch of meat i brought over my alpine touch but i didn't bring it home i forgot it at your place Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. (laughs) It's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house, and like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house, you left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto Shoutout Original Alpine Touch, and it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The Sunflower Shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. To be successful in rural states in the Big Sky Conference, you got to find it, – it, it, there's, two, there's two formulas that have been tried and true during the 21st century. It's either – finding a bunch of kids who dreamed of playing for your program and will run through a brick wall and sell completely out for your program. That's what Montana and Montana State has. Or you take the Eastern Washington model and you recruit a whole bunch of dudes who have a rational confidence that think they could have played in the FBS that are so mad that they didn't get to play in the FBS that you get all the dudes who dreamed and hoped to play at Washington State that then come to play at Eastern Washington. That's yeah. that's what you get. Those are the two pretty much tried and true formulas uh, for the Big Sky Conference. The Idaho is, has to figure out a way to embrace one of those two because they're in the similar region, similar situation. They have to embrace the we always wanted to be a Vandal, we wanted to play at Idaho model. Right. That's the one. They have a history and a a still group of boosters slash fans slash people who went to school there, who played there, who have great memories of that place. And you want to talk about a, a, a just catastrophe from you know, an athletic department stand standpoint. It is Idaho. I mean, the, the totally. president's out, the AD's out. It's been the, the the head men's basketball coach has been fired. Everything is going completely sideways and has been for years. And then they're the first, you know, program in the history of 
of college football to hold the ignominious title of having to had to drop down from FBS to FCS. No so now here they are. Yep. Can they put their feet in the ground, stop the sliding down the mountain that's happening, and start to work their way back up? I don't know. They, you know? they, they got to redefine their recruiting strategy. They have to dig their heels in and try to get... Idaho has good high school football. Yes. Utah has great high school football. You got to go find those dudes yes. who are not getting recruited by BYU. Who I mean, that's the thing. The Utah schools have been just robbing Idaho of everything yeah. that Boise State doesn't take. Idaho has to figure out a way to get into that little mix. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. It is our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. One last thing on your question, Marks Coulter, and then you can have free reign to do some of the personnel stuff. Okay. We, you already highlighted that we disagree on this in general, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with you on the Montana State question marks. The secondary, fine. Absolutely true. The pressure of the next step, I don't believe in it. You don't? So, no, I don't. You think the culture is strong enough? I think the culture is strong enough, and I also think that, I mean, if you are thinking about, hey, are we going to be able to get to the national championship while you're getting training camp in August? Like, you can have those thoughts as individuals. Certainly sure. you should. But you got to win the first game that you play. You got to have a good practice today. Coaches preach this all the time. Yeah. And I just think we have the luxury to sit here and look at the big picture. And we've seen the rise. Yeah. And, and now uh, uh, maybe not a plateau, but a, but a Final Four. It's hard to go better than a Final sure. Four for this program. But. I don't think the kids view it like that. No. The kids that are there now weren't even here when when when, when Jeff Choate was hired. They're going, yeah, this is what we do. Totally. We got to go well, and, whoop, and you know, whoop somebody. That that is what culture and expectation is too is having national championship expectations. That's right. And what's the biggest disease of college football particularly at the FCS level? Me. Apathy. Well, ever becoming complacent, ever thinking that because we were good last year, we're going to be good yes, this year. Because that's what happened to UC Davis last year. Yeah. But I mean, I know you love Hawk, but the whole we don't worry about results. We just try to be our best selves every day. Okay, that's fine. But the teams that go to the Final Four, the teams that win the national championship, it's not about just yeah. being your best self every day. It's about winning every single freaking day to be the best in the country. That's what North Dakota State does. That's what Montana, Montana State are trying to do. So I'm replacing your question about pressure for the you know of, of taking the next step for Montana State with the only question that it still has yet to be answered. Quarterback. That's it. It's the same because it's the same quarterback doesn't or the same question doesn't mean it's still not the glaring question for the Montana State. Podcast. What does it say about the stability of Montana State's program that we just went through four different question marks and none of them were Troy Anderson? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, their best player is not going to play this year, and we didn't even talk about that until we've been talking about the. By big the way, Sky he's not for, their best player. He's the best player. <laughs> he's the best player. <laughs> Uh, oh, go ahead. Man. All right. What else you got? Okay. Let's go all league list. Rapid fire here. Okay. Who would you have as your offensive player of the year? I am. I'm doing this despite myself, but I. I think it's the position and it's the talent. I'm taking Eric Berrier. He is going to be my. He's my preseason player of the year. I. I had actually written down Sammy Akem, and I realized Sammy Akem is Samari Tori. Samari Tori was you know ended up with the better season, but Akem was hurt. I think. That's that's going to be a race unto itself. I think a couple of running backs, Elijah Dotson and Isaiah Fonte, have really good cause to be in that conversation as well. But I will take Eric Berrier. I think that's who's going to win it. Or I, I shouldn't say win. It's not actually an award. But I think that's who will get the nod 
is Barry A, but I voted for Samari Torre. Okay. Um, I, Over I, Sammy Akin. I did. I did just because of previous production. Yep. I mean, I don't think it gets a. I know it got a lot. The Randy Moss record breaking performance that Samari had last year against Southeastern Louisiana mm-hmm. got a ton of run. Where that single season, though, fits into the scope of Big Sky Conference history, didn't get enough run. I think he had the fourth most yards in the history of the league. He broke Mark Mariani's single season record. No doubt. I just want to see where how he stacked up, what it was like when he and Sammy Akem were both on the field together. Like, this is the other reason I would have picked either of those players over Eric Berrier if they were alone on the team. Sure. But together, you know, it splits up some looks. No doubt. Defensive player of the year. I, I don't have, I don't feel like enough good knowledge of returning defensive players to to make a, a great pick here. But he was the number five leading tackler in the conference a year ago, and so I'm just going to take Jace Lewis. Like, if you take a Montana linebacker, you're probably pretty safe that you're going to have one of the best players, in, in, in most productive players anyway, in the Big Sky Conference. I don't know of anybody else who's just going to come in and be a world beater, and he certainly... If he stays healthy, he's going to rack up huge statistics. So I, I'll, I'll just take Jace Lewis. I think that's who's going to get the nod. Yeah. I think it's justifiable. I mean, 131 tackles a year ago, 12 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. The production's absolutely there. He's going to be even more in the focal. He's going to be even more a focal point of the defense, given that Dante Olson moves on. That said, the, the two reasons I did not pick Jace Lewis is because I think that Montana will have a little bit more of a diverse scheme in, more spread in, out, in terms yeah. of who's making plays right. because they were trying to mitigate weaknesses while getting young guys' reps up front because they knew they had a dude who c- literally could make every tackle. <laughs> right. I don't know if they're going <laughs> to actually do that because the other thing is that I think Jace Lewis is an awesome player. I'm so excited, I'm so excited to watch and also a little bit skeptical to see. I don't know... The, the inside linebackers positions at Montana, although they filter everything towards each of them, and they're going to each make a ton of tackles. I mean, it's a 125 tackle bare minimum position. That's just what you're going to get playing that spot if you if you play every game. I don't know if Jace Lewis can take an extra 50 tackles on his frame. He's pretty small. He's not. He's not as big as Dante. The, the other so thing is that the the, a deep, lot of guys really. the the other thing is though that even though Jace Lewis was the fifth leading tackler in the entire league. And one of the leading tacklers in the country, he still was not a, a quote-unquote every-down player. Mm. He played most of the snaps, yep. but he still rotated in and out a lot with Marcus Wellnell. The year before, it was with Josh Buss. Right. And so I, I just, I'm just i interested to see if he can fully handle the load. I, I know this is going to be a controversial pick, especially amongst a lot of our listeners, but I picked him Andre Williams from Montana State. Mm. He was a second-team All-League guy a year ago, but I think that Montana State has run this odd man front for – the duration of Jeff Choate's tenure, I think they got it locked in at an even higher level. Even though Ty Gregorak did a great job, I think Kane Ione and the knowledge he brought from the University of Washington, particularly from Pete Kukowski and Jimmy Lake, they're operating the scheme at a higher level. But Bryce Sterk, although he's built like a buck end, was never a buck end, and he produced great numbers at that spot for two years. But then when he moved over to the strong end spot, he was, I thought, should have been an All-American last year. I thought he got snubbed in the All-Big Sky stuff, which then negated his All-American candidacy. But he led the league in sacks last year. He had 20 tackles for loss. He was better at that spot. And that was because Amandre Williams is actually a true buck. He can cover the curl to flat. He can you know, jam the slot receiver. He can make plays in space. He's not just a hand-in-the-dirt guy, get-after-it guy. He's a true hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. He had 17 tackles for loss a year ago as a sort of non-focal point on their defense. 
with no Troy Anderson to eat up a bunch of tackles for loss, with no Derek Marks, with no Bryce Sturk, with I mean, all, all the guys up front, they have they've done a great job recruiting. So I do think they'll be able to re- reload in the front seven. But their primary and I think almost exclusive playmaker in the front seven is going to be Amandre Williams. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, there is more of this to go through, and we will do it later on today, next couple of days, and uh, and and do it. But we'll leave this here for now. It's our ESPN roundtable. It is presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, thirty six twenty one Brook Street on the south end of town, uh, near the corner of Reserve and Brooks. And uh, Coulter, it was a warm one yesterday. I was trying to figure out what to do with the family. What are we going to do? Where are we going to eat? Said, so let's go over to Paradise Falls and sit down on the patio. Man, it was as good as it gets. They had, they got this the covers up, you know, so the, the sun isn't directly on you, and they got the misters going. I mean, talk now. It's not over your table. Your food's not getting wet, but it's just around. It's keeping the general atmosphere nice and cool. The kids, you know, walk around, sit and putting their heads in it. It's hard to go out for dinner as a family, especially now, right? You don't really want to sit inside with the kids, especially touching everything and all that kind of stuff. But like, let's go sit outside. It was perfect, and uh, I appreciated that evening at Paradise Falls last night very much. I encourage you to try it. I think you'll enjoy it as well. Paradise Falls, like you said, great space. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever you're in the mood for. Uh, this time of year, Early and late happy hours, great place to go hit up between 3 and 6 and 9 and 11, Monday through Thursday for the late happy hour and Monday through Saturday for the standard happy hour. You can go sit on the back deck. You're going to get $3 draft beers, half-price cocktails, half-price appetizers, and the full menu open from 7 a.m. until midnight, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business to learn more. So you should call 361-3688, 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Call us. We got wings for you to the Desperado Sports Tavern. Best wings in Missoula. Culture's got some questions. 361-3688, the phone number for a little bit of trivia and a little bit of fun. If you'd like to listen live, you can stream the show all the time, 1029ESPN.com. You go there uh, on the website, and your device, computer, etc., and you uh, stream the show all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. I've been listening to more Tom Petty than I've listened to in my whole life. Hmm, why is that? Because uh, you're running down a dream? Well, uh, I ran down the dream a long time ago, and now I'm trying to figure out what's next. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not a nightmare. Uh, but you guess what? Your life is never going to be a nightmare. It will not be. You're right. I uh, I I am living a uh, well, very fortunate existence. Yes, I am. Uh, 
I don't know. I've always liked Tom Petty. It's not like I just discovered Tom Petty. I've known who Tom Petty's. Tom, you know, everybody knows Tom Petty is. Right. But for some reason, and this wasn't inspired by his passing, where it's like, oh, all of a sudden you go back and you rekindle all sure. the, the songs. I just started listening to it, and I was like, I mean. Uh, an Americana rock storytelling guy. I mean, they, it's, it's just everything. He, it's Tom it, Petty. He it, does it, it. It's among the most timeless music that there yes. ever has been. Yes. Because even guys like Bruce Springsteen, great songwriter, but Bruce Springsteen's songs from the 70s sound like yeah. songs from the 70s. Right. Bruce Springsteen's songs from the 80s sounds like songs from the 80s. <laughs> right. You know, Prince, it's 80s music. Yeah. You know, but there's very few... I can't even really think of anybody off the top of my head that that sounds so unlike an era and just so much like just themselves. Timeless. It's just timeless. Eric Clapton, maybe Pearl Jam, to some extent does that. Mm, yeah, but the Pearl Jam roots are so. I mean, I get it. It's the they're grunge. so embedded in. Yeah. Okay, but that's fine. In uh, grunge, right? Yeah. But uh, anyway, there you go. Shout out Tom Petty. Rest in peace. Uh, let's go to the Rangish Brother RV phone line. Gabriel. Let's welcome in Gabriel to the show for a Wigan Wednesday. Hello, Gabriel. How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Well, Gabriel, I'm doing pretty well, man. I, uh, you know, I'm listening to Tom Petty. I'm feeling very good. How are you? Just driving home from work after a, a long, warm day in my warehouse. This oh, man. Uh, this no, uh, no. Did finally you here. Any AC in the warehouse? The warehouse, no, man, just the office. So I find myself doing more and more paperwork. Oh, yeah, I would think so. This is a good day to get some like some some taxes knocked out or something like that. I mean, <laughs> gracious mercy, being in the yeah. being in the warehouse, the tin can thing out there, just oh, excruciating layer. Let's yeah. see what we can do to help you yeah. out, my friend. We got three questions for you. If you get two of them right, you're going to uh, refresh yourself in the air-conditioned Desperado over a basket of the best wings in town. Okay, does that sound all right? They are the best wings. They so, yeah, are. That, that sounds very good. Uh, if you get all three, you got yourself a shirt. If you need help on one of these, I am your lifeline. So here we go. Don't get some chicken wings that really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. All right, Coulter, refresh uh, for us, for Gabriel. What are we talking about here? We're talking about r the last 20 years of the FBS National Championships. Mm. Okay. Talking about national championship okay. winning. Talking about national championship winning college teams. Okay. Okay. So number one of the last twenty national champions. So this is stemming back to two thousand. So two thousand through two thousand nineteen. Of the last twenty, only five national championships have been won by teams that are not in the South. Mm. Of those five, only three schools have captured national championships in the last twenty years that are not from the South. Okay. Name one school not from the South to win a national championship over the last 20 years. That's a tough one. No, that's 20. What do you think? Is there anything coming to mind over there? No, because it's so South-dominated. It is South-dominated. I mean, it clearly is South-dominated. 15 out of 20 from Southern teams. 15 uh, out of 20, including every single one since 2007. Now, if you want to use a lifeline, you know, it's, there's only three questions. You know what I mean? So you can do that if you Yeah, want. I'm not going to get this. Well, guys, I'm trying to think. 
in a different. I'm not going to get this one. I'm going to use my lifeline. All right, let's go. I I I uh, believe Ohio State won a national championship uh, when it was the BCS, right, national championship. In fact, they may have won. I mean, Urban Meyer won one there, and they may have won even another, maybe won two there. But I would go uh, with the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, for sure. Gabriel, are you willing to Yeah, they should answer? have come to mind. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's, that's an obvious one. Ohio State, 2014 and 2002. One under Urban Meyer, one under Jim Tressel, Ohio State. One of the schools to win. Was the, the was that the Willis McGahee Ohio or the uh, uh, Willis McGahee played for Miami, Miami in the game that Ohio State won with? Uh, no, Ohio State won the year before. Oh, was it before? That? And then 2003, okay. Miami won. That Miami actually won. was okay. the one of the only non-SEC championships. Right. For right, a Southern team. Right. So tell me this. So, so there are two schools. Hold on. Save them. Okay. Save the other okay, we'll, two. We'll save them. Okay. All right. We'll here we go. Question so, number two. I, I, have, a question for, I have a question for you, though, real quick. Okay. While you're, while you're ruminating over guessing yes. the other ones. Is Texas a Southern school or not? Uh, I mean. I did not count them as a Southern school because right. they're in Texas. It's just its own region. But yeah. that is one of the schools. So you have, yes, you'll, it's Southern. You'll be able to guess the other two, okay. though, right after this. Okay. Okay. Gabriel, number two, you you got one, no lifelines left, so you just need to get one of the next two on your own. Okay, number two, how many of the last 20 national titles has Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama, currently former head coach of LSU, how many national titles has Nick Saban led his teams to over the last 20 years? I want to say he has five championships, but I think he's lost at least one of those, maybe a couple. So you're thinking like in the six or seven range? I'm thinking six or seven range, somewhere right in there. I'm going to go seven. What is it, Coulter? Nick Saban has six national titles. Five at Ah. Alabama, five at Alabama, one at LSU. He's also lost in two national title games. So nine total. Nine total national championship game appearances. Or no, 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 eight total, excuse me. Yeah, eight, eight total, total appearances, but I was just looking for the number of championships. Total wins, so six. Six. Okay. When you get through the one from oh, LSU. So total wins, I, I thought it was just how many. Oh, I got titles that he, that he okay. All right, here we go. Let's go. Either Question number it, three. Let's see where we're at here. Okay, number three. Nick Saban, Davo Swinney at Clemson, and Urban Meyer at Ohio State and Florida have captured exactly half of the last 20 national titles. (laughs) Give me a coach that isn't one of those three men that has led his team to the national championship over the last 20 years. Man, a lot. I think I obviously called in on on the wrong. You guys guys got this if you think about it. Oh, there's no question that, that... these are these are knowable answers. It's a good question. It's a good trivia question. It's a very good question. I'm just not coming up with anything right I mean, now. Um, First of all, Jim. Can, can you I, give me those list of coaches again? So Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Urban Meyer. That's half the national championships in the yeah. last 20 years. Jim Trestle yep. won one, right? That's that because we already talked about this yep. here, uh, uh, Gabriel. That's one in 2001 or 2002. two. Yep. Okay. So yeah. there, that's your answer. There you go, a lifeline, because <laughs> we already discussed it. Uh, Gabriel, <laughs> excellent work. 
Way to come up with yeah, the vest right. on that one. Sure. Okay, proud of you. Give, yeah, your infor- give your information to Reese, my man. Wings are coming your way. <laughs> well done. We appreciate it. Well, th- thanks for the Wi-Fi, man. I couldn't, uh, <laughs> obviously couldn't have done without you, buddy. You, you, you're, hey, listen, it's been a long day in the heat, okay? I'm the one who's it, sitting it here like it's I'm, I'm in a salon working, okay? So I'm I'm doing okay. <laughs> hey, appreciate it. Gabriel, hook this uh, guy up, Reese. All right. Um, uh, who... Who was the Miami head coach? That's who who I've got in my head. Butch I, Davis. No, I, I'm pretty sure it was Butch Davis. I mean, I'm not saying in the, but but Butch Davis was around. He he coached at like North Carolina too. Yeah, since then, yeah. But who? That's not who I'm thinking of, though. That's not the person I got in my head. Who was the head? Larry coach? Coker. Excuse Larry me. Coker. Larry Coker. Bush Davis. Bush Davis lost in the 2000 national championship, okay. and then Larry Coker led the 2001 Cades. Larry Coker won in that in that McGahee. Uh, Maurice Claret was the Ohio State. How much does a coach matter? You go from Completely. you go from Howard Schellenberger to Jimmy Johnson to Dennis Erickson to Butch Davis to Larry Coker. Fire. Yep. Then you go. Randy Shannon, Jeff Stoutland, Al Golden, Larry Scott, Mark Richt, and Manny Diaz. Wonder why Miami fell off. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mark Richt had it going for a second, but uh, what? Okay, so I'm looking for two more northern schools. Not, there's not really even northern. One's West Coast and one's so US USC. USC. Oh, okay. okay. USC so one I two. Was thinking the wrong direction. Yeah. Okay. USC one two. And then who's the only Oregon? No, the only big, win. the only Big Twelve team other than Texas to win a national championship in the last twenty years. Man, Big Twelve team. Um, it was twenty years ago. I mean, it's not Nebraska. It is not Nebraska. It is they were in the Big Twelve? It at is that the time. better. It's the best team in the Big Twelve currently. I don't know. I'm all. I'm all. Yeah. Iowa. No, 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 Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Two thousand Sooners. Right. Okay. Can you name any of the other coaches? Man. So you got Jim Tressel. Yeah. Right. Did Barry You got Larry Coker. Barry Switzer was too early. No, Barry Switzer's too early. Who was the head coach of the 2000 Oklahoma Sooners? You know. Yeah, I can't remember. Bob Stoops. He's retired. Okay. Rather than have you rack your brain, I'm just going to rapid fire through these, okay? Yeah. Who was the head coach? Carroll, right? Who was the head coach of the 2005 Texas Longhorns? Mac Brown. Mac Brown. Pete Carroll, you're right. Yeah. Back-to-back national titles, 03, 04. Yeah. Who was the head coach for the Florida Gators in 2006, 2008? Who, man? Or Urban Meyer. That's, oh, you that, already... No, but... Oh, oh. Uh, that's part of the question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, then the last two that you're missing... No, no, it's not. You said Urban Meyer's out. You said Urban Meyer... Right, he is out. Okay. Oh, so, uh, okay. So you were just I saying just that as a matter you. of fact? Yeah, okay. yes, just testing you. Okay, who was, who was the head coach for Auburn in 2010? Hmm. Different guy than that's there now, right? Indeed. I don't recall. Gus Malzahn. No, Gus Malzahn is there. Oh, he's still there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And who was the head coach for Florida State in 2013? Uh, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. Okay. Amazing. Among the coaching moves that have been motivated by money, which they're all motivated by money, but the one that is so perplexing is that Jimbo Fitcher won a national championship at Florida State and then left. And I know that the draw was the SEC and Texas A&M and the facilities and the amount of money they were going to pay him, the stability he was granted with that long contract. It's still crazy because in no world is Texas A&M on par with Florida State except for the checkbook. 
Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I've never been to either College Station or Tallahassee. Well, I've been through Tallahassee, but I've never been to you know Florida State. Certainly, the history of football at Florida State is—I uh, mean, it's not even close. Even though they play in the ACC, but at some level, I would think that would be a draw. I don't know. You know, seems like there's there's more going on. Obviously, the financial side of it and others. All right, it's two tell Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Quick break. Come back. How about baseball? Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Welcome back to Tell New Honors, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hope you're well. Glad to be with you on this fine Wednesday afternoon. Colter riding off into the proverbial weekend sunset early here. Going to go play some games tomorrow. I'm proud of you. Enjoy that. Uh, Anyway, uh, I will be back with you tomorrow and Friday, and we will be just fine one way or another. If you missed anything in the show, check it out in the podcast. It's Utah New Wonders Podcast. The podcast is available all the time on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. It is there thanks to Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Coulter, your last minute and a half here. You wanted to talk a little bit of baseball. I'm glad that's the last thing we're going to speak about because you've been so 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 salty about this thing. Not even salty. You've just been so a-emotional, which is disappointing. But you said, hey, man, look, the baseball season, like the, the start of it's critical. And if you have like a five-game winning streak, that's like winning 15 in a row. That's right. I mean, it's – not quite one-third of the games that are normally played in a 162-game season. So, essentially, each game is well, no, worth... no, it's more than one-third, but well, just, right, right, just right, slightly right. over one-third. Right, 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 right. So, basically, a win is worth three wins, and a loss is worth three losses. If you sweep a... Say you go... Say you have two home sets in a row, two three-game home sets in a row, yep. and you, you take care of business. Yep. You sweep them. You are off and running. You right. already, in six games, have... An inside, inside track on the playoffs. I'm also so interested to see. One fact we haven't talked about is guys, we assume that every single one of these guys wants to play. I do think that the majority of guys want to play. But what happens if you get swept two week two weekends in a row? Right. And now you're 0-6, so you're basically already like 15 to 18 games out. I don't know how many guys will maybe want to. Go home to their families. Well, get on the I, IR. I, I, I just think, think that there's that we could we could have the races accelerate 
really quickly on both sides. They they will. I think it's going to be fun in that respect for this season. I think the guys want to play, though. It's a short season. I mean, you know, why not? Plus, it's the only way you get paid. It's important. Boys and girls, have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Two Tell Nuanas. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.